Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Aki World. How are you doing? Um, turn off my phone real quickly. The, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, so yesterday I was going, going through this stuff with Kevin in the beginning. I brought out my AP style book. Remember I was telling you, I don't know if you guys really ever were around this or not. This is 2016 version. I really have to get updated. I skipped a year for the first time since uh, college. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's basically like it tells you how to, Basically, like for example, if you had a question on hockey, it is blue line one word or two words, that kind of thing. It would be in, it's in here as to the correct way, according to the Associated Press, to write it. Um, Face off, for example, and, and he wanted me to look at he wanted me to look up locker room yesterday, and I um I looked up locker room is not in here anywhere. I couldn't find any any sport being cr- the correct way to do it. I mean, I've always I've always written it as one word. I've always written it as two words: locker room. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and face like I've I've seen face off two words face off with a a pod, with a hyphen or right. with a uh, with a dash face well, the, dash off face off is one of the ones I went to. I have a couple of fun hockey ones to share with you guys that you might not know. Here we go. So face off as a verb, okay, is two words face off like we're going to face off against each other, right? Um, but a face off as a noun or an adjective like the face off circle or Time for a face-off is one word, <laughs> right? There you go. So um, neither one of them is the height is the uh, the dash. Neither has a hyphen according to the AP style book. That's face-off. There's never a hyphen. However, power play, okay, is is two words. Power play. Mm-hmm. I think we all get that right. Power play goal. Power hyphen play goal. Right. <laughs> so there's no. So if you well, have a power about, play goal, put what up, about put sh- what about shorthanded? Shorthanded hyphen. With with that just plain shorthanded hyphen and shorthanded goal hyphen as well, um, not hyphen dash right. I'm sorry, dash. 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 I mean, not hyphen. Yeah, dash. So short so power play by itself, just no dash in the middle between power and play. But power play goal dash between power and play, shorthanded dash between short and handed and shorthanded goal dash between shorthanded goal. Yeah, the, the the thing that's annoying is that I use there's a there's a on my MacBook there's a voice recognition software, so I don't have to I don't have to uh, I don't have to go and buy the Dragon naturally speaking software that was is, was archaic twenty years ago. So I, I I've been I've been using it on my computer, and I swear to God, every time put face off in it says face off no no dash or shorthanded one word or power play right. one it, it, it's completely grammatically incorrect or at least hockey wise it is yeah and it seems as if this this dash in between words is, is interesting because like home field like you say um this is our home field playing you know which is this this is out of the uh, you know not in hockey but just in well i guess it could be in hockey but home field you'd be saying for the advantage we say home field advantage but usually you know is it home ice home rake advantage or whatever home field we're playing on our home field no da- no dash Home field advantage dash home dash field advantage. Wow, I mean, there's there's so many of those. It's inter- so it's interesting. I mean, I always find that kind of stuff interesting. Um, slap shot, two words, obviously. Two on one break. Two dash on dash one. Yes. Yeah. Break. Yes, but but it's it's the words, not the numbers, not two the numbers. Right. Yeah. T W O dash on dash O N E. 
Now, I'm by far not, as we all know, I'm not the greatest speller in the world, and I make I make plenty of errands. So this is why it might be ironic that uh, you know how much worse I'd be had I not had this book. Do I not if I didn't have this book? Um, but you know, it is funny because I go through this. The one thing that still gets me to this day is people who actually start a sentence with a number instead of writing out thirteen. Uh, they, oh, they, yeah. they, you know, um, thir thirteen straight wins for the for the Leafs. Or something. You can never start a sentence with a number. You no, the Leafs had thirteen straight wins. Well, you can make, well, yeah, that's the better way of saying it. But even if you are going to ever start with a number, you know, like thirteen is the magic number for the Maple Leafs. It would have to be. Spell out thirteen. Never start. No, with. it's no, it's not because Matt Sundin wore thirteen. Um, right. All right. That's all. Yeah. No, I, I just just one little bit of breaking news. Not big. Not big, but a little confusing. Um, the uh, Atlantic Division had a gap on their blue line because Victor Hedman was injured, and we've been waiting for a while to find out who they would replace. The speculation was it was going to be Morgan Riley, then he got hurt, and then it might be Charlie McAvoy, and he had the heart ablation procedure. Now it comes out that Braden Point, who's not a defenseman, is replacing Victor Hedman. So that means they're going with two defensemen right now, Mike Green and Eric Carlson. How can they do that? Unless they have, unless they, uh, uh, unless Shea Weber, did Shea Weber make it? Then they're going with three. But they, they originally had four, defense, uh, four defensemen. They're one defenseman short. Oh, yeah. They didn't pick a defenseman to replace a defenseman. Wow, I wonder, uh, that's going to be weird. I, mean, I, I, think know, Shea, I think Shea Weber is on the team, but still, that that's only three. Now they're playing three on three. I, I realize that. Yeah, and and you know the positions are almost moot, but you know, yeah, I do agree. It does give him a little bit of an advantage, actually, probably. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's a little bizarre, but anyway. Just um, okay, so let's start the show. I got a couple of fun things today, and um, yeah. and then we'll get into some something that I think is kind of is kind of controversial. So hang on with us here. We'll see what we can want. Ready? Let me see. I just lost everything because I brought up my notes and I lost you guys. Here we go. All right. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, January 24th. Nope, 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 nope. Wednesday. <laughs> it is Wednesday. Yeah, sorry. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Peter Tessie. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday in the afternoons. To fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world, and it's good to be back at one o'clock today. I like we like doing one o'clock better. We know you guys all like one o'clock better too. So hopefully, with my uh, son's schedule changing now, freeing me up a little bit, we'll be able to do more one o'clock shows. I like it a lot um, because there's more. You guys definitely watch more when we put out at one o'clock because obviously you guys are at work. Um, all right, so very fascinating thing that the Vancouver Canucks admitted to. You don't see people admitting to things too often, but Elliot Freeman got out of them. Um, the, this, which I don't know if you saw this or not, but let me bring this up here. This is really interesting. I just lost it again because I'm such an idiot. Here it is. Um, if, okay, if Pierre, Luke Dubois in the draft had slid to number five, the Canucks were prepared to trade him to Montreal for Patrick, for P.K. Subban. And this was confirmed by Elliot Freeman in that draft. We knew that draft. We knew that, you know, that PK was, and PK would later get traded, you know, not too long after that, remember right. to, you know, to obviously he got traded to, to Nashville for Shea Weber. But this, this was, you know, a week before that, I guess roughly about a week. Cause he got traded right before it was, it was less than a week. It was on the, cause yeah. that was the yeah. draft. It was the, it was the 28th or 29th of June because it was in the five day window. And that's when yeah, the, right, the right. whole deal and everything else happened. That all right. So, um, yeah. 
that tells you how highly Montreal thinks of yeah. of Luke Dubois. And we've talked about this before. Obviously, this is a guy that they really like. Or how, how anxious they were to dump PK's $9 million contract. True, too. True, too. But, um, you know, I love getting hints like this because it always it always gives you a little bit of a feeling as to what's going on. It also tells you the kind of power that, you know, Columbus might have here if they were they to try to trade him. Now, who Montreal has that they might be interested in is, is a t- totally different question, you know. And Well, you brought up Gal- – see, that's the thing is you brought up Galchenyuk, and I think yeah. that there would be interest there in Columbus and Gal- in Galchenyuk, especially with what happened over the last 24 hours. If, uh, you know, the- Brandon Dubinsky was sent home by the club, there's a personal issue going on. It's, he's he's basically out indefinitely, so I, I'm you know I don't have any insight of what exactly is going on. But they just signed – Nathan Gerby, who hasn't been in the league in a couple of years, I believe, because he—I think it was concussion problems, if, if memory serves. But yeah. he's been out for a while now. He has to clear waivers to, for them to be able to uh, put him on the active roster. But they're in the middle in middle of the pack, actually on the on the downside of the middle of the pack in terms of goal scoring. So I think that they need forward help before the deadline. And maybe Galchenyuk would help them, but not at the cost of Dubois because Dubois has got, I think he's got 10 or 11 goals already. He's, you know, doing pretty yeah. well. Oh, yeah, you're starting to see great things out of him. He's, he's obviously a talented kid, and they, they took him slowly there in Columbus, you know, and despite pressure to bring him up last year, there was yeah. a lot of it, um, you know, among their fan base. But they they took it slow. They brought him in slowly. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think he's just going to be a name to look for. I don't I don't see him going anywhere right now, but I think this is something that, you know, Come the draft, perhaps maybe something goes goes down if if Columbus is in the right position where they really want to do something. Only only if, only if they get themselves in a deal, a center. Because I mean, right now they they made the deal with uh, with uh, Nashville, Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, and I don't think that they would take that deal back because we we Seth Jones is real realizing what his yeah. his potential. He's a, he's a top flight defenseman. He's a top pairing defenseman. He's going to be a guy that you build around your on your defense for the next decade. But now they really don't have a number one center. Wenberg is a good number two, and I think that they're trying to put make Dubois into that number one center. But I don't know whether he has, and when Russ is here, we can debate this. I don't know if he has the offensive chops to be a number one. I think he's big. He's you know he's defensively. I think he'll be he'll be sound. I just don't see him as more than a twenty. 20 to 25 goal score. And that does, that does not smack of number one center. I mean, Shifley Peter is a number one center. I don't know if Pierre-Luc Dubois has got what it takes to be that, that player. But you know, a lot of people didn't think Shifley would be what he is now. They didn't see this guy who was going to be a point per game player. They thought a ceiling was maybe 55, 60 points. And when healthy, um, he's a point per game plus player now. Um, you, you know, he could be a number one center. He just may not be that kind of center yeah. um, that people associate being number one. And I mean, another player who could arguably be a number one center now in the league, or he's certainly playing like it, a 200 foot game is Sean Couturier. Yeah. And no one really saw this coming. Well, I mean, I think people believed it was there. I just didn't think they they saw it coming, particularly this season and the way it's happened with Couturier. Yeah. Right. And that's something that maybe, you know, given time, the right structure to walk and go into that, you know, go into that scenario, but or build yeah. into that or grow into it. But, you know, 
how much longer will it take before they say yes or no? That's the right. question. And that's and that's the other factor act with Columbus's time is will do maybe Dubois is capable of being a number one center, but will he be a number one center in the time frame that they need? Because there's been speculation that they they're in a win now situation. You know, Tortorella is sort of a short-term coach. He's not a guy who stay who stays around for four or five years. Will stay around for four or five more years. You know, people players will start to tune tune them out like they did in Vancouver, like they did with the Rangers, like they did with Tampa. Um, Bobrovsky is only under contract through, I believe, next year. So, I mean, you've got a window there. You know, it's gonna is it gonna cost you more to sign Bobrovsky to an extension or uh, more years that you really don't want to sign him to, and maybe you make the transition to Corpusallo as the number one. That those are the things. It's like they 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 need that scoring. They need those forwards. I think in the next one to two years. Otherwise, I think they sort of go through that reset where some of their older players, you know, guys like Felino, start to drop off. And, uh, you know, and they, they start to focus on the younger guys. And, I, you know, at that point, then you know, maybe they slip off to sort of mediocrity for a little bit. Yeah, that's very possible. You, you know what? Speaking of just centers and, and, and in that same kind of category, young developing center that may not be reaching his potential, this just popped into mind, is Sam Bennett on the Flames. He's been up and down with them. And I'm wondering if that's the kind of player that, you know, he'd come at a price because he is 21. He's an RFA at the end of his next year. But yeah. if, if, if someone like Columbus needed to get another center just to give depth mm-hmm. at affordable thing, it, it costs a bit. But I'm not sure where Sam Bennett's role fits long-term with the Flames right now because he wow. has been in and out. He has – Gillitson has not always been fond of his play. Yeah. And it'd be curious to see where he goes. Well, I mean, uh, clearly – Calgary at some points doesn't see him as a center because he's played a lot of wing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, we've talked to our, I've talked to my our mutual friend Sean Vetter about about the Flames, and you know, he's told me, you know, they, you know, him, he was drafted as a center. Everybody thought he was going to be a center, but they've used him primarily on the wing in throughout yeah. his career. Now they they they've done what like the Leafs have done with like William Nylander, give him a little taste. And the Leafs only given a couple games to Nylander, but they've given Bennett a, a taste at center. And then Gullitson snaps him back to the wing. So yeah. I, I don't know how sold they are on him or whether they think he needs a couple years more of experience before they can trust him up the middle. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Flames are deep in center. I mm-hmm. mean, they're running, they're yeah. running, you know, they've got Monaghan. Who else? Monaghan. Um, yeah, uh, for uh, a Bakken, Stajan, Bennett, Jankowski. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and they're all relatively young. Well, Stajan's a free agent. Stajan's a free agent. Yeah. But, and, that, and that's a tricky one, too. Stajan, for someone who needs a depth center, would be a perfect depth center for, for a team. Yeah. I yeah, just don't think Calgary's going to trade him to anyone who's going to, who, who's, they're going to, could potentially play against either. He, he's a, he's a guy, though, that, and I know that, you know, he signed a very reasonable extension a couple years ago for where he, for where he was. He's the type of guy that I think, he likes it in Calgary. I think yeah. the organization likes him, but it's you know there's a pr- there's a certain price point and a certain term. I could see him re-signing there for like two years at two and a half million dollars, and yeah. then have then nav- not having a problem with it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned I mentioned Katoria. I want to talk. I, I I we didn't get to yesterday. I wanted to talk about Katoria because I just forgot to as we went along. But um, you know, he's uh, getting getting a lot of consideration for the Selkie now, and. 
I find that weird, you know, like because this this is his least defensive season that this guy has played. I mean, I know he's putting up points, but Couturier in his past has has been cre- incredible defensively. No questions asked about yeah. that. But um, it's like you're not good. You're, you're not good enough for the Salki unless you also put up serious offense. Yes. and it's like yeah. it's like the best okay. defensive forward who also scores award. Yeah. So yeah. it's basically, and, and and the guys the guys who changed all that were the Bergerons and Kesslers, right? Right. Like and, and and everything, and you go back further. Um, there were guys who were sub fifty point guys winning this back in the nineties and early two thousands. But Yuri Yuri Latin like that, yeah, Yuri Latin, and and they were defensive gods, but they had some points. You know, they, they put up points, and, the, and it's the points thing that always clouds the judgment, right? Isn't that the big argument right now mm-hmm. across everything? Is points clouds GM's judgment, and you're always paying a premium for points, and it, and and that's. Is, and you know what? As hard as we try to change it, in terms of how you look at players and value players, it right. always comes back to points. Well, Victoria yeah, uh, is the first to admit that this is not his best defensive season. He thinks it's funny. He thinks this whole selfie thing is is funny in and of itself. I mean, he obviously would love to get the award, but he's the first to admit that this is his job well, has not been to shut down people this year. No, but l- let's just say he's fighting for second because Bergeron is going to win it again based on the season he's having. Actually, he might get he might get some votes for the heart the way he's playing right now. Yeah. So, I mean, the point is well made is the fact that, you know, Couturier is more of an offensive player. He's more the player that he, now that they thought they were getting out of junior because he got he got pigeonholed into that, oh, I'm a great checker against Evgeny Malkin, so let me let, let me put him yeah. in a pure defensive role. And in actuality, that's what the Selkie normally was intended to be. It was for yeah. – Bob Gainey, Doug Jarvis, uh, uh, Craig Ramsey back in the in the in the seventies and eighties. These were guys who, again, I, I use the Stratomatic reference act. They were fives on defense. They were yeah. you know top level shutdown wingers and centers. And yeah. now, now I think it's 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 augmented to like you said, the best offensive player who also plays defense. That's why Kopitar and Taves and Bergeron, those are the guys who finish in the in the top five in the Selkie most often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because you think that we would be able to be smarter than that. Like, I think, you know, as the people who are voting for this award, you know, we know good defensive players out there. I mean, you know, there's there's guys out there, but yet, you know, it has to be okay. Couturier was, I mean, the problem with Couturier when he came into Philly, not a problem, but basically from the moment he got here, the Flyers, for some reason, looked at him like Jordan Stahl. Like they, they thought that that was that was going to be who he was going to be. He was going to be Jordan Stahl, who was going to be the checking center, who could also score, but you know, but wasn't going to be predominantly second because he was so smart, just because he was intelligent in his own end and, and knew because he grew up with a dad who was a hockey coach and he just knew he never made mistakes. He always made smart plays. Yeah. And then, he, then he was, you know, epic against um, Malkin, and, and it was really became a great little battle between him and Malkin. But it was also the fact that they had Giroux as a as a number one center, you know, and he's he's not the prototypical number or it was not the prototypical number one center because he was smaller of stature, but he was just dynamic offensively, and that sort of freed up Couturier yeah. to play that defensive role. But now Giroux has moved to the wing, and now they need Couturier to play that offensive role. Yeah, and they and what's happened lately? The Flyers' success lately, and they're you know they've they they've won nine of their last ten, and they're they're now in, tied in second place in the division. And, it, and the funny statistic that somebody was talking about today, you know, when we we'll move on from Philly, but was that the fact that the Flyers could be the first team last year, they were the first team to win 10 in a row and not make the playoffs this year. They could also have lost 10 in a row and make the playoffs. Right. So, um, you know, I don't think any team's ever done that back to back years, 
it's because they remember the Flyers lost 10 or earlier in this year, although a lot of those were, you know, they got points for the loser points and stuff like that. But still, they lost 10 in a row. The real the real hidden gem that's come out of the last four or five games, and if you know, I don't often give out, you know, fantasy tips too often, you know, because I'm not really a fantasy hockey player anymore. But if you if you don't have him and if he's available in your pool, start to look at Nolan Patrick a little bit. Because slowly but surely, Nolan Patrick has taken a step. Like you can see it. You can see it. He's a he's ahead of the game a little bit. He's finally caught up to the game. He he was he was he was had all the skill in the world when he had time, but he didn't. He was taking a little too long to make his plays. He was behind the checking, and he's a really good defensive player to himself. He's actually taken over Couturier's role for the Flyers um, as a, as the defensive as the third line defensive center. But he also is starting to show why he was such a highly touted player. Yeah, and he's not putting it up yet as numbers, but those numbers are going to come. You can you can tell they're going to come, and well, you, you confidence can... is growing by leaps and bounds, and especially yeah. just in the last less like two weeks, I would say it's been yeah. phenomenal. You can you can see that you can see his his speed. He's got excellent yeah. speed, and in the game against Toronto that I that I saw him, you know, he stole the puck from behind yeah. on Mitch Marner and scored a goal that got Philadelphia back. Yeah, that was one of the first. That was one of the turning points for him this year. I think that particular goal because. Since then, he's really his confidence has grown immensely. And um, you know, the, the thing you don't want to do with Patrick is you don't want him to grind guys down for you. That's not his game. Yeah, it is a skill speed game, and if you can use that to, to his advantage, and and have, have and have Hackstall put him in a position where he's playing that way, that's where you're going to get the most out of Nolan Patrick. Right? It doesn't matter what line you're on. You can put him on the fourth line. Just don't ask him to grind guys down for you. Yeah, and, and he's not, with your speed and, the, and your skill, not with your body. He's his anticipation and his speed is starting to make him better defensively. He's not he's not necessarily going to be a he's not going to throw his body around too much or anything like that. But he is going to be he is definitely he throws his body around more than I thought he would. But at the same time, I think that you're seeing him catch up to the game, and you're also at the same time you're also seeing Travis Konechny catch up to the game, which is something that is you know last night was a classic battle. Reminded me of, um, I think it was a World Cup battle between the, the, the two had. I was trying to remember if they actually did play each other in the World Cup because it really looked like they had history with each other versus Dylan Larkin and Travis Konechny. Um, you know, they, and they may have played against each other in the World Junior. That's um, World Junior, that's what I was thinking, yeah, World Juniors. Yeah. Um, because there was a, they were at each other last night like crazy, you know, from, you know, obviously Larkin, a USA kid, and Konechny, a Canadian kid. Yeah, and, but Konechny's annoying. So I don't know, you know in, in terms of the type of player he is, is like, I mean, he gets underneath the, the skin of other of opposition. So even if there isn't any kind of. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was something extra with those two last night. He really yeah. got in. And he's a smart player. And he's, you know, he scored his second game winning goal in, in two games, you know, in both 25 seconds into overtime. Crazy statistic for Konechny. But um, yeah, he is. Uh, He's starting to really come into his own and getting him on on with skilled players has made the huge difference as well. Just another player who needs to be up with skilled players. I always thought that in the preseason, I saw some real chemistry between Nolan Patrick and connecting. We haven't seen them play together much this year, um, but you know, they, I mean, they played together on the third line for a while together, but now that Konechny's moved up, um, you're really seeing Konechny click with Giroux. And what Konechny does is he's so annoying that he opens up a lot of room for Giroux and Voracek. So th that's part of the Flyers' success has been has been a couple of these little shifts in in their on their lines and uh they still they still don't have the goalie to make the run but they have you know it'll be interesting to see where they go and and right now the playoffs seem seem possible for them where earlier in the season it, it didn't seem like there was any which way to get them 
that happen. Well, um, right right now, I think the only team, and I don't even think they're out of it, but right now, and they've been they've been slumping uh, a little bit. Has been Carolina. They're the only team I, I would think. And I know the Rangers have had some problems injury wise, and there's been some speculation starting to follow them. But really, right now, the only team I could see like out of it is Carolina. And they, if they have have a three or four game winning streak, they could kick right back into there. So you could be right back in. It. I mean, yeah, both yeah. the Rangers and Islanders have have fallen off a lot um, lately. Yeah. But, um, you know, the Rangers are interesting because I wanted to get to them. I wrote today a little bit about the Rangers and JVR um, yeah. uh, coming up again. And, um, no, you know, this is not a McDonough trade or anything like that, you know, that I, I was I, – but I did talk to people. And there is definite interest. The Rangers are not approaching anything like they're sellers. Um, I, I really – it took me a while to get to the right people, but they are not sellers. Yeah. Um, they, are, they really are. I was told flat out, you know, not yet and probably not at all. Rangers still see themselves as as a team that's going to pick it up as the season. They they think they are a better end of the year team. They think they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games down the stretch because they have experience and they've got the goaltending and they feel like they're gonna make the playoffs and they feel as if they if they make the playoffs healthy, then they've got a shot at it. So the Rangers are not are not sellers in any which way, shape, or form, and they would love to get John uh, James Van Riemsdyk. That's a player they they really covet. Well, okay. First, and this goes along with what you're saying. Russ has said on the show the last couple of weeks that you know the Rangers, with with the situation at MSG, with the Knicks being a complete joke and not making the play, you know, there's not almost not a chance they're going to make the postseason. That they're going to want the Rangers uh, to not be sellers and probably you know, stay with what they have and try to make the playoffs. So the, yeah. what you're, what you're saying and what, what he was saying about that is consistent. Now, the problem is with this, with this particular rumor is the Leafs aren't trading JVR. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would, I would, I would put the odds of them trading JVR maybe five to 10% at most. And that, and that, you know, I think I've advocated it in the sense that I think the Leafs are going to make the playoffs if they have JVR, if they don't have JVR, but, and Kevin has said on previous shows that he has been told that the Leafs intend to re-sign him. So if that's the case, then I don't think they're going to trade him and do a Keith Kachuk and hope they can get him back in free agency. I think they'll keep him as, and I hate this term, the own rental, they'll keep him through the playoffs yeah, right. and then try to sign him before July 1st. They're and they're also depending on the fact that Nylander and Marner not having great years in their sophomore seasons is going to enable them to get Nylander on a bridge deal. So they want to spend as much on a long-term contract as they thought they would, which will, will let them sign JBR to uh, yeah. like say six million dollars a year or maybe a little less. So I, I just don't think the Leafs are going to trade him. Bozak or Komarov maybe, but if they did, say if they did, and say if it was the Rangers. The first name out of their mouths, I don't think it's a McDonough. I think it's Brady Shea. And I don't yeah. think they're trading Brady Shea. No. No. Yeah, I think she's the guy, too. I don't think they're trading Brady Shea either. No. Um, so um, I got some, some interesting statistic for you guys today. And the, last night I felt like was the, was the low point of the season for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and that's saying a lot for any team that's had it's plenty yeah. of low points this year. But that losing 5 nothing to Buffalo at home um, – is real, you know, and then Jack Eichel coming in and putting up four points. McDavid getting one shot on goal. I think I looked. I looked at when I was, this is how this is how bad you know it is with McDavid when you're watching NHL, you know the NHL Today show on the NHL Network this morning, and they and they list McDavid as two shots and one hit. That would that was all they, that that's what they have for him. So they, hey, they, 
a, a friend of mine who's a Sabres fan who lives in Buffalo is sick with the flu and they fell asleep. I talked to them this morning and they fell asleep around eight o'clock and woke up around 1030 or 11 o'clock and turned on the TV and saw that the score was four nothing or five nothing Sabres and thought that they were hallucinating because <laughs> they had the flu. And then, now that's how that's that signifies how bad the Sabres have been, but also how bad the Oilers have been. I mean, well, actually, the Oilers they, coming off of two wins. The Oilers were like looking like they were getting better. You know, you're coming off of two yeah. wins. You get the Sabres at home. You can put three wins together. You think things are going to be good, and um, you're you're in at home. And and for the first like ten minutes of the game, I watched the first almost period and a half of it. Uh, the first ten minutes of the game, the Oilers were getting a lot of chances, and they were just hitting posts, and they missed, and they hit posts, and they and they were not looking too bad until. The Sabers scored, and then the Oilers just the life just fell out of them. Like it was just, it was as if you know that was it. Like once the Sabers scored, the Oilers' effort went down by fifty percent. Peter, this this is the this is the thing. The Oilers had that bad first couple months. They dug themselves a hole. They've basically played around five hundred, I think, the last month, and they've gained no ground. They're they're still, I believe, ten points out of a playoff spot. And the 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 the, the, the motto or the you know the, the the thing is is that when you fall behind, especially in the West right now, there's no way you're catching up. None. You, yeah. you just don't do it. It's just not possible. And every time you, you turn around in the West, there's another team getting ridiculously hot. And right. I mean look at what Colorado has done. Yeah. And they still are just sniffing a wild card spot, right? I know. It's it, well, the whole it's West we talked about that. is ridiculous. That the West has, has been ridiculous over the last ten games. It's just crazy. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the, here's the a crazy number for the Oilers. Check this number out, okay? The Oilers on the road have the second best penalty killing percentage on the road um, at eighty six point six percent, which is amazing. I mean, that's yeah. an incredible number for for a road team for the Oilers. At home, the Oilers have the worst penalty killing percentage ever recorded at the halfway point in the NHL. <laughs> They're 54.2% at home. They are killing off one out of every two penalties at home. Yeah. Um, barely, just barely. Yeah. So think about that. Think about you know, power plays you're getting at home. I mean, you're going to give up three or four power plays a game. That's two goals. You know, I mean, it's just, it's virtually impossible to win if you kill off one out of every two power plays that you give up. I mean, you're literally handing team goals. It's it, it's it's even worse than I thought. Okay, Edmonton Edmonton has forty five points right now. Calgary, who's in third spot in the Pacific, has fifty six. So they're eleven points, eleven points behind them, and Calgary's got a game in hand. Now the wild card is even worse. Colorado is fifty seven, Minnesota fifty seven, L.A. Lake L.A. Kings fifty five, Anaheim fifty five, Chicago fifty. So you've got four teams in in between them and the final wild card spot, and they're twelve points behind. Good night, nurse. Yeah. It's well, I was over. just texted by a scout too who said you're wrong because I he said I'm wrong because the Kings last night they uh, they um gave up three power play goals on six chances against the Canucks. So now the Oilers are the number one road power penalty killing team in the NHL. Yeah. Number and, one on, on the road and number thirty one at home mm -hmm. and the all time worst. At How home? does that make any sense? I mean, yeah. that, that it just it, it baffles the mind. I mean, how could that possibly be? Well, last night too. Um, there was a lot of talk about their PK unit and they're showing how they used the diamond formation and even Grant Fuhr chimed in on Twitter saying the diamond doesn't work. <laughs> Bob McClellan was asked about it last night yeah. after the game and he cut, he cut the, uh, the, uh, post game short. There's something, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, McClellan's getting rattled on that, 
Mm -hmm. Like there, there's so many things that are going wrong there. But I mean, the other thing is, is Calum Talbot's basically dropped by um, 20 by 20 basis points on a save percentage from last year too. He's gone from a season of nine nine point one nine or nine one nine to nine oh one. It's not even. I haven't even checked what he is at at, at um uh, on at, at five versus four on the yeah. PEK. But I mean, and I didn't even know that he was playing last night. I didn't even look. But yeah. I mean, that, I mean, there's just it makes no sense. It's there's not, no it, rhyme or reason as to what Edmonton's doing. And the same thing they've thought since 2007 is that high draft picks will solve your problems. It's the same logic they're in right now dealing with them. And now it's, it's gotten to the point where you can't right. solve all your problems. Yeah, and now it's gotten to the point where Darren Drager comes out yesterday and says, I, heard, I, heard, I read something about this, where he talks about, you know, we, you were talking about, you brought up yesterday, you know, the, the idea of them trading off, what's his name? Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, thank you. Um, and Kevin said, no, why would they trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Which is logically, you know, we could all sit there and say, why would they trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Drager comes on and says, you know, they've talked to teams about Maroon, about Maroon. They've talked to teams about other guys they have, but they're not getting enough. And so they're starting to talk to people about Ryan Nugent Hopkins so they can get the defenseman that they need back. Well, it's see, just, okay, and, then, and that, at that point, you have to look at Chiarelli and be like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. There is a guy because he is not, he, he is definitely one of those, He's not great at handling this kind of stuff. Like yeah. of all the of all the GMs in the league that get pissed off, Chiarelli is one of the worst. I mean, so he he really is not going to be happy about this. And you know, he could make a he could make a crazy move here if they let him. But there, but there's there's the problem in and of itself because the, the reason that the, the talk is out there about Nugent Hopkins about him being traded pr probably in the summer. Now he's hurt right now. He's out probably another month. Yeah, is because. Once McDavid's contract kicks in, $12.5 million per for eight years, then you have $21 million being paid to your top two centers because Dreisaitl is their number two center, McDavid's their number one. Then you have a third-line center, Nugent Hopkins, who's not a third-liner. He's better, better as a second-line center, and he's making $6 million. And you've got two young wingers in the pipeline, Pulley RV playing right now, uh, Kaylor Yamamoto probably coming next year or the year after that, along with Lucic, who's making six million bucks. You don't have enough scoring on the wings. If you're trading Nugent Hopkins, you're not trading him for a defenseman. You're trading him for scoring wingers yeah. to help McDavid and to help Drysital. And then now the thing is, their defense, along with Cam Talbot, who's taking a step back this year, so is Adam Larson. So is Oscar Clefbaum. I think the yeah. only one on defense that has taken a step forward this year is Darnell Nurse. And guess what? His contract is up after this year. So they're they're in a they're in a crap storm, is what what's going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at where Edmonton has money allocated. And you know, remember back when they were the ones who came out after these entry-level deals, signing the halls and the Nugent Hopkins to these long-term six million dollar deals to be effective you know for cap management those are the same things that are biting them back because they never had a plan yeah so now the plan's not working but you've got to find a team that can take on you know, ryan nugent hopkins or um or jordan everly I mean, just need to freaking coach i mean what is the i mean the me i mean it's like i can't sit there and say it's a they i don't think they've made a whole lot of bad moves since since you know but how many coaches act like I know, but that would that see that that's again you can't that to me feels like the flipping a coin thing you know like okay flip a coin how many times are you gonna flip a coin it's it's always gonna be good or bad it doesn't matter if you flip the coin twenty more yeah. times twenty times before this you know what I mean 
probability but, versus versus the NHL has a whole lot of media, medium in it, right? Like yeah. the results aren't are win or lose, but how often you win and how often you lose gives you the medium, and that's the teams that get close to can close to getting in and being a playoff team and ones who are so far back. And maybe Edmonton's just getting a lot of bad coin flips. But you can't, but you can't worry about the fact that you tra- that you fired all these coaches in the past is what I'm saying. It's like that yeah. they don't matter. I, and I don't know if Todd McCollum's the, pro- the, the, the problem or not. I think Todd McCollum's a good coach. I don't I know. I'm, I'm, I, I, I have gone back and forth with him throughout his entire career. I'm a, I'm a Sharks fan, you know. I really felt like he never prepared the team well in the playoffs. I always felt like there was a – I felt as if he he let things get out of hand a lot. Like he, there are some coaches that are good at unslumping a team, and he's not one of them. Um, well, you know, and well, that's okay. what you're let's, let's play new Edmonton new coach. Let's just play a little game here for two couple minutes. Let's have right. some fun. What kind of person – each one of us, pick the type of coach you think would come in and absolutely make – uh, an impact on the Oilers if they had to change coach in the next week. Who do you well, think would do it? Well, uh, Mike, you go. Okay. Um, this is for next year after right. if, if, if Chiarelli is fired, if, and obviously I think if they fire Chiarelli, they probably fire um, McClellan as well. Clean sweep. I would think, and this depends on the, the rumors being true right now that he's on thin ice. How about Joel Quenville? Because I think Joel Quenville is on thin ice in Chicago. If they miss the playoffs, I think there's going to be a, ch- a change there. It would and be so wrong for them to fire Joel Quenville. I, I I agree, and that's why Joel Quenville. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's available. He's going to go to somebody right away. Right, and do you think it'll be tempting? Do you think it'll be tempting for him to go and have Connor McDavid on as his number one center? I think it would be. Could yeah. be. That's not okay. Well, I think I mean yeah, obviously Joel okay. Quenville is a great pick. You can't go wrong there, Peter. What do you think? Okay, I think. They go off the board because I think there's guys who want to touch it. And I think there's, you got to remember who's available. So Quenville is an if because he's got to become available. I say they go and they get someone out of the blue that's got a complete polar opposite of the kind of person they've ever had in there. And they go Michelle Terrian. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) This is the Here comes the migraine egg. You ruined my punchline. You ruined my punchline, Peter. I was going to say Michelle Terrian. Yeah. Um, and then say, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no. But this is the Oilers. This well, is the level of desperation oh and chaos that exists within this franchise. They need, they don't just need, I mean, if, if Todd you know how bad Michelle Terry and Dreisaitl would be together, I just can't even begin to, to get us to go there. But that yeah. sometimes is a great thing. Uh, um, okay. No, like, here's my, let me, let me go because I'm, uh, I do yeah, think. Yeah, you had a turn. Yeah, my, my turn is, um, so I was going to say Michelle Terry and then say, I'm just kidding, but I will say, I'm I'm going with Dave Tippett. Honestly, I think that they need structure. I think they need simplicity, yeah. and I think they need to let like play a solid game and then let their skill be the difference. Let their skill be the difference. You know, they have, they have more skill than most teams, and if they play as well as other teams play in in all the right zones and all the along the boards, their skill will rise to the top, and they will score goals, and they will matter. I'm I'm waiting for I'm waiting for uh, for Dave Tippett to get hired and him to implement a system where he's going to ask Connor McDavid to play two-way hockey. And that'll happen. It'll happen. Um, no, I mean, McDavid. McDavid's not are, a fault here. That's the thing. McDavid, no, McDavid, I, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of people not faulting McDavid. Like McDavid's no. some kind of per- 
you you're the best player in hockey and your team is your team is this yeah, terrible even the best player in hockey needs players to play with him he has players to play with him i i don't buy that I, you know they've, got, they've got There's players nothing in mcdavid's experience in life that would right. prepare him right to deal with what's going on in edmonton is precisely that's why you need a coach who's going to get you through this and they need to be and he needs and a coach you need, and you need and you need some veterans you need some help right there was what? a play last night where they always sit there and say, "Well, Luchas can't keep up with Drysdale and McDavid and all that." And we're like, "Okay, you know, uh, yeah, but what does that really mean?" I mean, obviously, he's good enough; he can get there. There was a play last night where Drysdale fed Luchas on a pass, and Luchas was behind it. Like it was, it was obvious right. he wasn't fast enough to get. To, they were up in a three-on-two together. They were traveling together, and he well, couldn't keep up with them. That's why that. That's why if you're playing the blame game in Edmonton, it, I don't blame Todd McClellan because he, he can only coach what he has. You blame Shirelli for bad trades and bad signings. Signing uh, Milan Lucic at six million yeah. for seven he was years good last year. I mean, these are the same players that went that almost that almost went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Lucic was not a success last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he he scored over twenty goals. But the expectation was more, and the thing was, they signed him to play with McDavid, and by the halfway mark of the season, he wasn't playing with McDavid. Yeah. So it and was a failure. Here's the thing about Lucic: sometimes, if you know there's a war out there for him, and you yeah. see where the price is going, how good does Chirelli look right now if he doesn't sign Lucic and Lucic is on the Canucks? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He, right. Like I mean, and that disaster is across the way. You know, down you know, down down the Trans Canada, or looks, or or if he resigned with Los Angeles, like there was a possibility that he was yeah. going to. Well, remember, Lucic is signed because the team now thinks that they're a couple pieces away. Like this is what happens. So when now when you're not a couple, when you look like you're not a couple pieces away, it looks like it looks ridiculous. Yeah, a couple but, pieces named Shea Weber, Drew Doughty, and Kerry Price. Right, and at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the defense is. I mean, I think that. The injuries of how defense have really hurt them. There's no question about that. Who is really, oh, I really thought was a much better player than this, than he's playing this year. It's just really been a disappointment. I mean, really? I thought that he's, he's playing better this year. He's playing okay. I mean, he's not. Well, and this is okay. the thing with all of the, with all the Oilers. They're playing okay individually. But when you watch them as a team, like, you know, his outlet passes or McDavid is not making anyone better around him. No one's. Because they're with playing with Connor McDavid at all. They're not seeing Darnell, Darnell Nurse was ne never going to be, and if I wish we had Russ here, but when he when he is, we'll we'll ask him this. Darnell Nurse was never going to be a offensive juggernaut in the NHL. He's big. He's speedy. He's lanky. He's well, no, and, he, and he's yeah, no, you're right. But he's, I, I think his I think his top his top the 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 top um, that he could be is a Seth Jones is that type of defense. Yeah, no, I, I buy that, and I think that that's about right for him. But I think that's where he is. And I think that's pretty good, and. I, I think that last year they had missed him for a lot of the year, and when they missed him, they were better defensively. Um, well, that's because that's because that's because last year you had Clefbaum and Larson as that top pairing, and they played they exceeded expectations. I mean, Larson yeah. and they took a lot of hit for that that haul for Larson deal, and Larson overachieved. This year is the Larson that we saw in New Jersey. Clefbaum yeah. has not been as good. Chris Russell is a, a glorified shot blocker who they overpaid for four million at four years. The the the, the flaws. The, f the flies in the ointment showed up with Edmonton this year. Everything went right last year, and everything's going wrong this year. Well, at this point, neither the neither the if the things keep going like this, I don't think either the GM or the coach will survive. Honestly, right. I, really, I really don't see. I think it's clean. I think it's clean in house time. I think that if they if they end up 
in the top in the bottom three of the league or four bottom four of the league, they're cleaning house. And they're gonna they're gonna get rid of everybody. Um and they have to because and they should. But I mean it should start it should start right at the top. But are like, they that much different than say Colorado is now? Like where Colorado had the year they had last year and then could it could I mean Edmonton could be back that quickly. After I don't season. think Chirelli has the skill based on his work of evidence in Ed in Edmonton and in Boston. To navigate a situation like Sakic did with Duchesne. Yes. That's the difference. Sakic showed yeah. what makes him a Hall of Famer in terms of being patient, methodical, and thoughtful about the situation and not panicking. And so not going and, crazy. And I'll, I'll tell you, after seeing Colorado in person on Monday, um, Sackick did what a lot of GMs and Chiarelli had hasn't done. Edmonton has the fastest skater in the league in McDavid. You know, a kid like Yamamoto who's who's got tons of who's got wheels, and they have a few other really gifted skaters. But team wide, I don't think they're an above average skating team. No. You look at you look at Colorado now. Gerard, the kid they got in the in the Duchesne deal, can fly. McKinnon is one of the most gifted skaters yeah. in the league. Landeskog, Rantanen, JT Comfort. I mean, they have a lot of really quick skaters, and that's where the league is now. And you know, they won ten in a row with Jonathan Bernier in net. So, you know, you have to tip your hat to to, to Sackick because he waited and waited and waited and got yeah. what he needed in that deal. And all of a sudden, I mean, you know, for, for a guy who was perceived as being a novice in terms of yeah. being a GM, he hit a home run on that. And and the payoff on that deal may not be immediate because they got Ottawa's first-round pick. They could end up with a top-five pick next year if Ottawa doesn't finish uh, out of the top ten this year. That is the yeah. amazing thing. It is. And, you know, it, and he not only that, I mean, he, he, he gave the fan base hope. And you know my saying, hope is never a plan. But it's exactly what fans need, right? And I've written on my desk. Whatever, whatever Sakic wanted to build, whatever his vision was, he never deterred from it to just get the deal done for Matt Duchesne and the problem that was. Matt Duchesne, his his unhappiness is just a symptom of other things. And and it's not Joe Sakic's deal job to make Matt Duchesne a happy man and 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 you know, you know. Rain, rainbows and roses and stuff it's his job to make the best thing for his hockey team and he never wavered from that mm -hmm. and you know there are a lot of questions you know people questioning him for a long time about that and you know as mike said he hit a home run but he did it in the way that he's always sort of been like to himself as a player smart methodical and you know, just like his, just like his wrist shot when he ripped it, it was lethal when he finally let that trade go. And bravo to him. A couple other uh, all-star related notes. Uh, Jonathan Quick is passing on the weekend. He's being replaced by Mike Smith, which I'm sure Calgary is going to love because he, I think he has the most starts in the league, and now he's going to have to go to the all-star game. I thought they were probably looking passing forward. on the weekend. I mean, he played last night. That's really bizarre. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 that's you know he's pulled last night, but are they going to say he was pulled for injury last night? Because he it, wasn't. He was pulled because he was terrible last night. Well, I I don't know. It just says he's going to pass on the weekend. That's all it says. Huh. And even if suspended, Brad Brad Marchand will play. Uh, is expected to be in Tampa for for the All Star game because he was selected. Now, I, I did you see the uh, the uh, elbow on? Yeah, I, don't, I did. I I did. Um, 
the first time I, the first time I looked at it at regular speed, it looked it looked um, it didn't look like he did it on purpose. Then when it was slowed down, slowed down, oh, it here. looked like he. I mean, it definitely was. Oh, he didn't on purpose, but he. I mean, I I think here we will. Let's check it out here so we can see it here. Um, I think they'll show the highlight. Um, it was just in, it was just in full speed a second ago, but it. I mean, when you see the replay of it, I. I, I think he does it on purpose. I mean, deliberately on accident. Yeah, exactly. Marchand is is not a dumb player. Um, like he doesn't and, even have the puck. Yeah, that's an on purpose play there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, it's got to be a suspension. Yeah. Now, I, I was shocked. I know he'd been suspended. Uh, the the Bruins broadcast says he's been suspended eight times in his career. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. his career has been long. It's not that long, but my goodness. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think he's going to get at least. Well, it's a phone hearing, so he's not going to get more than five games. But you know. The Bruins, won, I think it was they they won over New Jersey yesterday. It, I think they have points in 16 games in a row. Now they're without McAvoy and potentially without Marchand. I think that streak's going to probably end pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Now it's it's it probably will. I mean, that's just. I mean they they have they they own the Devils. So that was like a game me last night. You knew and it, Boston's always owned the Devils. I don't know what that is, but they just have something over the Devils. So. Um, Peter, what was the what was the hit that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, there was the one that Lewis did on uh, Brock Besser. Oh, I've got one. Yeah. Besser hit, yeah. But I, I, you know, what the dirtiest hit of the night was for me was in your was in the Winnipeg game. Yeah, hurdle on Kulikov, and I mean, there. No, I, not that one. Oh, um, which one? Bufflin with the Bufflin <laughs> at the end of the game. No, like Bufflin after, after the goal score. After the after yeah. the goal scored, on the one. Um, oh man, you got to stick up underneath him and kind of. Yeah, it was it was so blatant to me. I don't know, and I, no one's been talking about it at all. I got to try to find the highlight of it. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, I mean um, the Besser. I mean that was. I mean it, it, I, he was lucky. He was so far away from the wall, and I mean the thing that came out after that was is like there is no one on the Canucks who wanted to do anything about it. Like no one went over to Lewis. Oh, no I noticed that. Yeah, and then um, you know Lisa Kulikov, a couple of guys came in, but. The, one, the hurdle on Kulikov one is the one that I think everyone, the, the discussion that happened on Twitter last night was, well, he turned. Well, you had to turn. The puck was coming around. So he's a left-handed defenseman. So the puck was coming around. He had to play it. So what's he do? Just he, he turns his back to the wall and says to hurdle, come hit me and take the puck. You, right. You'd be benched for the rest of the game by your coach if you didn't actually play the puck. You just let it go off. So. Yeah. And, and Hurdle didn't take a stride. He didn't move his legs from inside the circle to hitting him. So he had plenty of time to do a speed check, turn. He wasn't in a funny stride on one foot. He hadn't been deked around someone. He came straight at him and just boom. And, I mean, that's the stuff you just can't do. You can't do yeah, it. I totally I do agree. There was a lot. I mean, there were – okay, I got it now. Here we go. All right, I'm going to bring this up there. All right, it's, all right, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to show you guys. Sorry, I'll bring it up here. Okay, hold on. All right, so this. Yes. Uh, Bufflin, I mean, I, I like, I've always been a Bufflin guy. I, I like Bufflin, but this kind of stuff, this just cannot be. This is just really, really bad. All right, here we go. I'm going to pair up. Sorry, yeah, one second. Sharing now. Sorry. I'm going to go back so you can see it. Just kind of saw for a second there. But um, here we go. Okay, so this is the. 
So it's right after Meyer scores here on the backhand to tie it. Bufflin obviously doesn't clear the puck well. <laughs> he goes up yeah. with his – I mean, this is like – I mean, Meyer doesn't even go back at him, which is what's crazy about it. But, you know, it's like it, – that. how is this not a penalty? How is this not like a – It was a penalty. He t he got a penalty for that after. Oh, the goal. Yeah. Okay, how is it not even more than that? I mean, yeah, I, we'll keep let, let's keep it going here because okay, here's the goal. The Bufflin's pissed off at himself for not clearing the puck there. You know, but you gotta, you gotta hopefully they can show they, they stay on him a little bit more as you can see it here. But you kind of see it there. Just goes, just yeah. takes him out, takes his neck out. <laughs> but Myers, like you know, yeah, I that was kind of crazy. I don't know. I'm sorry. That was just a little bit nuts. Um. That to me was a, I mean, that was a, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, geez, Bufflin's going to get suspended and uh, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and going, going back to that, uh, to, to Besser, Peter, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that if you look at Vancouver's lineup last night, who, who's the tough guy? If Erica Branson was in the lineup, yeah. maybe he yeah. would have, he would have called uh, Lewis to task. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly, that was a point that was made in the Vancouver, uh, in the Vancouver social media stuff was, Good Branson could have done something, um, you know, but nothing there. I mean, that, and that's the Canucks, right? But that, no, but that's see that that's been that's been symptomatic for them for over a year because I remember there was a game last year where uh, Morgan Riley took out I think it was Yannick Hansen and Kadri took out somebody after mm -hmm. a goal was scored. Took out I don't think it was one of the Sedins. I'm not sure, and uh, nobody was there to respond, and then. Yeah. Matt Martin took out Troy Stetcher and Ryan Miller had to jump in as a third man. They had no toughness there. Yeah. I mean, that's you don't need maybe you don't need a Matt Martin, but you need somebody who will help hold somebody accountable at, at certain points during the game. Yeah, absolutely. We had two um two teams last night. Going into last night, there were no teams in the NHL that had three 20 goal scorers, and then two teams last night did it and within hours of each other. Um First, um, first came Boston with um, Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. And then later in the Dallas-Florida game, which was one of the dirtiest games I've ever seen. Well, like yeah. You some penalties in that game? Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Sagan, Ben, and Radulov all get to 20. Yeah. And, uh, and another key, a, a key injury. I mean, not that Florida was ever going to climb back into the playoff race because they, their season's really been in the, in, in the tank since Luongo got hurt. But Ry James Reimer got hurt, I think it was in the first period of that game, and it looked like an, either a knee or a groin. And the rest of the game, Harry Sateri was the starting <laughs> goaltender. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you're, you're, ta you're talking, you know, Darlene territory now for Florida if they have to go through the next 40 games with Harry Sateri. Hey, you know who's hot and might be available. He won his he won his first game in Montreal. Oh, oh, Andrew, what? No, Anthony Niemi, right? Oh, no, he's won before. He won before. No, but I mean he <laughs> in Mon in Montreal. Yeah, he's won first two win of the season for Montreal. Yeah, he um he, he wins. He goes in and wins the game. Um, kind of crazy. I I actually think they're gonna keep keep Niemi for the rest of the year because they want Charlie Lindgren to play in the minors and play often. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, finally the Blue Jackets. Um, a couple things on the Blue Jackets. One, um. Brandon Dubinsky has been sent home. Yeah. What seems like a really mysterious thing is happening. Uh, you know, they say his, his, his injury, you know, his, his year might be in jeopardy. His career might be in jeopardy. He's being sent home for a personal issue. Um, so there's no reason, there's no point in speculating on this, but yeah. it sounds like something. 
add, um, either you know, and family related or or otherwise. And you know, it's it's a shame because uh, it's one of those situations you don't like to see, but definitely it's a fa- it's a it's a it's a factor though for you know for Columbus. I mean, well, I mean, Aaron, Port, Aaron Portsline uh, uh, mentioned it in the, in the piece that revealed this last night mm-hmm. and yeah. said that. You know something's been wrong with Dubinsky or going on with Dubinsky all year because they had he was an assistant captain and they removed the A and now this is occurring so it's some ongoing problem and I'm not going to speculate what it is no. but at the beginning of the year I mean we know how Tortorella thought what thought Tortorella thought of Dubinsky and, yeah. and his place on that team I mean it was a big big deal last year when you were at the World Cup of Hockey that Dubinsky was on Team USA yeah and that as a fall from grace in a year. Yeah, I mean, whatever's going on, it's it's being detrimental to his career, definitely. I mean, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully his family's okay. There's lots of different theories out there, but mm-hmm. just uh, we'll just give him privacy and figure out hopefully yes. through this okay. But but the big thing about last night's game was um the you know the friggin the friggin Knights again. You know, like the the goal they just they find ways to win. I mean, the Knights win this game six to three. You know, like it's just crazy how this team can. You know, you would think. We all thought if they were good at all, it would be because of goaltending. And if they won games, it would be because they won, you know, 2-1, 3-1 games, you know, with Flurry standing on his head type stuff. But, uh, yeah, now that they, they get into – they get into, they win shootouts, they win those great games, they win every game. It's just, and, it's just crazy. I don't know. I mean – And the rain, and the Rangers lost again. They, they lost to the Kings. They lost to the Ducks. Um, I mean – yeah, I can I see this. That's the thing. I can understand the thought process of those reporting, and it's everybody now that you know they're they're going to trade their their uh, they're going to sell their uh, UFAs. They're going to you know they're going to possibly address trading McDonough. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's gonna that's gonna be the direction because as we said before, you know the New York Knicks. Yeah are terrible. They're not going to make the playoffs and yeah, MSG doesn't not. want that building empty in April. So I think mm-hmm. they're, if they're they're and they're still in the race, they're what a couple points out of, out of a wild card spot. I don't know whether they're going to, you know, do the prudent reset and trade some of these guys off before they walk away for nothing. I, yeah, I don't know if they're going to do that. This is an experienced team an experienced group of people around it too. They, they, they see this as the long, this is only the halfway point of the season. You know, it's kind of like, it's hard to sit back, I mean, you know, we're we're at the All Star break right now. It's, it's and there are a couple games out, and they played horrible. I mean, in in their minds, they played terrible. So the fact is that they play half decent, and most of the teams in the East feel this way right now. You know, if any team in the East can play half decent, they're gonna they're gonna you know, make a run. I mean, the Flyers being where they are now is pretty remarkable. And you know, because you always say, you know, you have to go eight and one or nine and one, to, and everybody else do terrible for you to make any progress. Well, that's what's happened. <laughs> They've actually, and it never we never see it happening, but it actually does happen. Once in a while, it won't happen soon. And the reason it's happening, it happened recently, is because East is playing the West all the time. You know, um, there have been so many Eastern, but soon, you know, when the Eastern Conference and Eastern Con- is playing Eastern and Western is playing Western, then you get the three point games that kill you. So they're not going to be able to make up ground. But, you know, that'll change. That'll change soon enough. Um, tonight, uh, just uh, real quick, I guess all we have is um, we have two games tonight, but one is um, Chicago and Toronto, which is a really big game for both of these teams right now because the Leafs have been struggling and then so have the Blackhawks. Yeah, uh, I mean the Leafs have scrambled their uh, their forward lines once again. They've demoted a couple veterans. They, they uh, promoted uh, Mitch Marner to uh, the second line with Kadri and and Patrick Marleau. And talk talk about the most stark, the, the 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 one of the most surprising slumps in the NHL. Nazem Kadri scored thirty goals last year. Was on a pace for forty goals. 
we're on the end of November since November 24th. And I think it's almost 20 games. I think it's 19, one goal, one assist. He's just been a disappearing act. Yeah. And that's, you know, they've been basically a 500 team since then. And I think that's one of the main contributing factors is Kadri just can't score. It's really true. And then you have LA Calgary later tonight. Um, and LA is such a disaster right now too, that they've, they've been tumbling the other direction as well. It feels like LA has gone through the emotions of an entire season only halfway through the season, you know, like yeah. they've, they've had their ups, they've had their downs. And yet we're still like, a, we're still another half of the season to go. Um, so we all, I didn't, I, I kind of, you know, a lot of us, I didn't pick LA to make the playoffs. I thought they wouldn't make the playoffs and here they are, you know, they were almost, they were almost out of it right now. And they look like they were solidly in it just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I, I, I think, I, I honestly think that, uh, you know, their situation has to be explained that right now they've been without, Jeff Carter for what three months, and they're going to yeah. get Jeff Carter back, yeah. and they're still in the race. That's right. I forgot there's no Carter. Yeah, and no, they play without oh, Jeff Carter for a really long time. What's his status though? Um, they said I think I think I heard that it was going to be after the All Star break, something like mid February to early March. So oh. you know they get him back, and they're still in the race. They're a team to reckon with. I, 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 you know, oh, yeah. I, if they get act, if they get into eighth, yeah, they get into eighth, and it's Vegas versus LA. Oh, bring it on! Bring it on! Yeah, that'd be great. That would be phenomenal. Um, could Vegas win the Presidents Cup? Yeah, they could. The way they're going right now, I never. Yeah. But they, they that could be that could be the usual result of the team that wins the president's trophy is that they win the president's trophy and then lose in the first round. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Vegas. This has been a Cinderella story. There probably is going to be a movie made about this. It's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that they've been playing at this high energy level for so long. Is there another gear? And that's what yeah. we have to worry about. Yeah, that's yeah. what everybody's talking about. And I think that that's what's going to be fascinating to see. And every time I think that maybe maybe there isn't. You know they go in and they they take apart a team like 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 Columbus last night. You know like a good they take a they, they play a good team who's playing well. You know and at least you know the Blue Jackets looked like they were playing well in that game for a while and then nothing. You know just uh, they find they find ways. I don't know, but I think that I do think that it isn't. We are, are only forty eight games in. You know, so the crazy thing about the season is it feels like we're further into the year than we are. To me, to me it does. To me it feels like we should be sixty games in now. And we're only forty eight in. Yeah. Um. So there's so much time to go. Well, thank you, Peter, for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Always fun. Appreciate it. Um, thanks, Mike. And we uh, will be back again tomorrow. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.